Hey, welcome to One Creative Act. This is a heartfelt conversation with purposeful dreamers, innovators, and community heroes who turn simple creative actions into their greatest adventures and biggest contributions to the world. I'm your host, Mary Lynn Jenkins. What effect can one creative act have on you, your family, your community, your city, the nation, and the globe? What can come out of trusting that you have something to share through your own creativity? These are the questions we'll explore together. Our hope is that you'll walk away from every episode inspired to get into creative action and motivated to try something new, something you haven't tried in years or something you haven't done since you were a little kid. This podcast is an opportunity for you to discover or rediscover your creative spark. I'm so excited to be with you. So get your walking shoes on, get the car packed for a getaway or snuggle up with a cup of coffee and let's enjoy some time together. As an entrepreneur, athlete, particularly incredible soccer player, a nonprofit founder, and all around amazing person, Kat Casey exudes creativity and her enthusiasm for life is absolutely infectious. Her story has always been one that the world needs to hear. And I was so happy to have her share the details on today's episode. Cancer, it impacts everyone. And Kat's battle started on June 24th, 2014. She woke up from passing out on her condo floor in indescribable pain and having trouble breathing. She ended up in the ER and she heard those words, you have cancer. Her attitude was one of, I got this immediately. And her choice may have just saved her life. Today, Kat is the very example of tragedy to triumph and challenge into breakthrough. It was during the nine months of chemotherapy that Kat found friendship, conversations, and a good glass of wine made her feel most normal. What has resulted from those sips and conversations is her nonprofit, Chemo Noir. Cancer is stressful enough, so Chemo Noir's mission is to provide financial relief so the focus can be on the fight instead of the stress of the finances. I have been a huge fan of Kat's for a long, long time, what she's doing for families, what she's doing through her nonprofit, and most of all, for her choice to never give up. She is crushing life right now. And her choice through Chemo Noir is still, I got this and let's win this. All the details for Chemo Noir are in the show notes. So be sure to support this incredible creative act that's making a difference in the lives of so many. Here's my conversation with Kat. So you just said something that completely shapes the, it shaped my listening for what I feel like needs to be heard today. And it's about chapters 
in our life changing. Mm-hmm. And um, yours is such a powerful story, Kat, of just chapters changing. I would love for you to just start with a little bit around your story. And everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Yours is really one to me about attitude, but I want you to start off sharing some facts first about your story and when your your chapters started changing. Will you do that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so in my early entrepreneurial ventures, um, I ran an agency, uh, sold the agency, was about to leave the merged agency and start another. So it was my second business venture. I uh, came out of a pretty stressful um, year there, and um, as I'm, you know, just trying to get started again, I, I had all the makings, right? You you go through a chapter, you learn. I felt empowered um, to do all these things and 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 start new, really. And um, I was diagnosed with cancer, and um, I didn't know I had cancer. It was uh, kind of ra- rather violent uh, coming about. I was home, about ready to go to a lunch. I was. I took a shower. I woke up, passed out on my floor with terrible mm-hmm. stomach cramps, and like I, I was having trouble breathing, and I was getting sick. And I thought I had bad sushi the night before, honestly, <laughs> and um, I did. And so I was trying to collect myself, and I just got to the point where I really almost couldn't breathe. So my mother's an ER nurse. My sister's a nurse. Of course, call them. Can't get a hold of them. My uh, my sister was eight months pregnant at the time too. And so I called my business partner. I said, Hey, I know we're supposed to have this lunch, but you've got to take me to the hospital. Like, I really don't know what's going on. And I want to go to Baptist beaches. That's where my mom works. I know I'll get a bed. Like, let's go. Something's really wrong. Mm-hmm. So I get there and, you know, they, they do all the scans and the tests and, and juice me up and all the things and just very unfamiliar environment for me. Um, I've been in and around hospitals my whole life. Cause my, as I said, my mom's a nurse, but I really don't even know if I've ever been admitted. Um, so it was definitely, scary on all the levels. And, um, you know, they did blood work, nothing was looking good. And they took a scan and they said, you know, you're bleeding internally and and we're not sure why, but we have to send you in for emergency surgery or we really aren't going to know what's going on and we've got to stop this bleeding. And so, you know, Roger that, you know, they gave me this all kinds of things and said, I said to my surgeon at the time, I said, just fix me. Like, I really don't, this is such unfamiliar territory for me. I've been healthy. I took a run on the beach that morning. Like, Mm-hmm. really, really rattled to the core. And just, you know, next thing you know, I, I go to sleep and I wake up from what was a five and a half hour surgery, um, from what they told me, um, literally filleted, you know, since we're being honest here, I was like filleted from stem to stern. Um, I had a colostomy bag. I just came off a breathing tube. I was in a wheelchair. I mean, it was just like, talk about a chapter changing literally in less than 24 hours. Mm. And uh, my surgeon comes in, you know, kind of debrief and she's like well um a giant cancer tumor caused blew a hole in your colon and you start chemo in 30 days so as if all this wasn't you know already so rattling that you know she comes and tells me that i'm sitting in the room with my family my sisters my mom my stepdad at the time and they all knew so you know tears and all this and i just looked at my mom and i said mom i got this i'm like you guys gotta give me a minute i gotta find out you know what my marching orders are here and like you know, I, I, you know, I was an athlete growing up. I mean, I regimen doesn't scare me at all. So I said, you tell me what I got to do. I will follow every single, every single step of your lead. You just saved my life in there. So let's go. And so we started a, you know, what became a very close relationship, honestly, with my surgeon. And so here I had cancer, you know, and so I was juggling trying to start a business, um, with this completely foreign, terrifying, you know, reality. And, uh, 
so I was doing client meetings on my good weeks and I was in treatment on, you know, every other week. And on the weeks where I was feeling good, I would, you know, enjoy a little bit of wine. You and I both know I like wine. Mm -hmm. So um, I would call those my chemo noir lights because it was just a very, it was comforting. You know, I, I felt everything was so abnormal and surreal that it just was a little, that even working felt normal. So I just wanted to keep doing it. Um, but it was just a, a real comforting thing for me. And going through cancer, thankfully surviving it. Um, you know, I was in the room with a lot of people that didn't, but I was, I also learned a lot. I learned a lot about, you know, the stresses of, you know, financials and, you know, people can't get drugs they need because they can't pay $600 or they're quitting their jobs to get better insurance. And it's just, it was just sad to me. And I just mm -hmm. thought, you know, just like so many other things in the world, like you shouldn't be deprived of, of life because you can't afford it, you know, a, a drug or a chemical or a treatment. And so once I got through this, um, I thought, you know, I want to do something with it, you know, and I'm a, I'm a marketer by trade and, you know, love, love the creative world. And so I said, you know, what can I do? And at first I wanted to actually make wine and sell it. And then I realized, you know, based on that business plan, which was, uh, you know, not a waste of time, but certainly a lot of, a lot of hours <laughs> to find out I wouldn't be able to raise enough money to, to do anything for, for years. Mm -hmm. I said that, that, that model is not going to work. So I switched it and. We started Kima Noir, which um, is just a passion project of mine. We're, you know, fully volunteer and, you know. Well, I want to talk more about that in a second, but you're saying so many things that I want to make sure we don't, we don't brush over. Okay. I want to hear, what is it, Kat, that, so for my listening right now, what you're speaking to is, um, you're speaking to choice mm -hmm. in such a powerful way. What do you think it is? Like, really, what do you think it is? The thing or the things that strengthened you to believe that you have a choice? You know, that was an incredible question. Um, I just don't think I knew of any other way. I mean, I, like I said, I just, I grew up, you know, always competitive, um, you know, athletics, which taught me a lot. Um, I had, you know, lost a parent and, you know, there's just, I, I think there were so many things in life where I was just like, you know, it was like an acknowledge, move on and like get better from this. Like bad things are going to happen and you're going to have to get better, you know, and it, and life's going to continue. And I think that's kind of what that whole experience was for me. I, just, I was just trying to get back to so many things. And, and I honestly think, and I've always grown up knowing that I had a choice, right? I mean, I was a psych major and, you know, there's so many things you can, here in college, you know, you're going through all this, like, you know, drama and things and life and, you know, you're in your little college bubble. And here I'm in classes learning about, you know, everything's fear-based and you have a choice and cognition and all these things, which, which really stayed with me. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, attitude's a choice, you know, mm -hmm. things are going to happen to you. And it is, you know, as they say, 90%, you know, how you react to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just think I've just, that's just part of my fabric. I think I've just, it's just how I, was brought up and it worked for me, right? You yeah. know, I, I, I saw that bad things happen and good, good things can still come out of it, you know? And so that's just something I really have always adopted and, um, you know, always have had a little bit of fight in me. Um, like I said, just kind of competitive and, you know, overcame some stuff through childhood and all the things. And I'm like, well, this is, this is the next one. This is the next chapter. And we, we got to fight. And I just wanted to really, I mean, there's, there was that, that split second where I, I could react to that, you have cancer. And 
the first thing that came out of my mouth was looking at my mom and being like, I, I got this because I don't want you to worry that I don't have this. So that's just, that's part of me. I love that. And it's, that's what I feel like, I mean, I know I need to hear that every day. And, and my hope though, is that, that we as individuals and communities, we become a sounding board for each other when we're not strong enough, right? When we're not strong enough to be the one to say, Hey, remember, you've got a choice in this, um, that we can be somewhat of our own hero and remind ourselves like, okay, my attitude is spiraling about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my attitude spirals just about every day with the do- <laughs> the dog, you know, yeah, like total, total, like not problems. Where's my Amazon package? I mean, there's not so cancer problems. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where's, where are my packages? <laughs> yeah. the, the traffic line in the grocery <laughs> store, you know, all the, all those things. But, um, yeah, so good. That's so good. Tell me this. So you you were also kind of sharing. So when when you um one of the things that sort of in a sense brought things to a normal experience for you while you were going through all the chemo was well, staying involved with your work, mm-hmm. being with friends. But what I love is that you were like, I want a glass of wine. So yeah. talk a little bit more about that. Like do you remember when you, you know, when your mom, your sister or friends or whoever would come together and you'd pour a glass of wine? When did the conversation around this is like, well, not only is a great glass of wine with a lot of great people, amazing on any given day, generally, mm-hmm. but when did the idea for this is something that we should really build on? When did that start? The idea for, for Kimo Noir? Yeah. Well, it, it was kind of layered. Um, you know, in those moments when I was in treatment, I really, I wasn't, I don't know, for me, those were like, those are like my moments of comfort. And, um, you know, the, the name came out of it, but I really didn't know that I, I was just feeling compelled and driven to do something with it just based on, you know, it's almost like my soccer. Like I always feel compelled, like anybody that ever wants to talk soccer or want me to like work with their kids. I'm always all in. Cause I'm like, I spent, you know, 28 years of my life, you know, next leveling, you know, to almost the highest level I could go. And, you know, I love giving that back. And so I just reflected a lot, you know, a lot of long walks, um, you know, cause that's all I could do. I couldn't lift anything over 10 pounds for two years. I was on steroids. I was, you know, hernia risks and all these things. I mean, you know how happy I was when I got back to doing even yoga, which was hard, you know, it's so mm-hmm. much core that it took years to like, you know, do it again. And, um, it really was after, and I'll tell you, I had, um, a dear friend, actually, why I bring the soccer thing up is I used to coach her and she had, uh, been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer mm. and had beat it twice. And she was going through treatment at the same time I was. And so talk about community. Like we found a lot of strength in each other. You know, our, our good weeks were the same. Our, our tough weeks were the same. We're kind of on the same cycle. Mm-hmm. And, um, we would go to happy hour and, you know, every so often just to meet up and, and really, again, just have that little bit of support group because it was so hard for both of us. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so she was, she was really my first chemo noir advocate. I mean, she loved the, you know, just, she loved the idea and, you know, here we had both kind of conquered treatment and, uh, you know, sadly she, she died shortly after that. And I just remember thinking it was such a heartstring for me to be like, you know, Tara to want me to do this. Even in our, in our, our race that we host, um, you know, the turn there is called Tara's turn because 
you know, I just always wanted to pay, you know, kind of homage to her. And she helped me a lot through, through my journey. And then, you know, unfortunately didn't make it. So the fact that Kimon Noir was even a part of our little support story, um, mm-hmm. that was really my driver because I knew there was a problem. And I, you know, I think that, you know, just, just in helping people in the financial aspect of this helps their emotional health so much. And I think I've almost come to the realization after nearly five years of doing this, that that is huge when you're going through this to keep your emotional health strong. And if you take one little stressor off someone's table and they can focus on the fight or their family or, you know, just shift their mind a little bit, you know, like you said, choice of attitude. I mean, just that slight shift, it can be a game changer. Yeah. And that's what I feel like we're helping more with, you know, just I mean, people that, and, and sometimes it's not a lot of money, you know, in, in terms of the world, but it can literally save someone's life because they mm-hmm. just don't have to worry about it. You just said, um, it, it's, it is so hard and I just want you to, well, cause what comes up for me is, um, <laughs> not, uh, not, not comparison, you know, cause mm-hmm. I use that term too. Like, man, it's just such a hard day. But when you're saying hard, when you were meeting with your friend, it's like the physical toll that cancer is having on the body, mm-hmm. but really it's the, it's the mental toll, isn't mental's it? tough. And yeah. And it, because there's so much uncertainty, right? You're yeah. sitting here, you know, not knowing the outcome and here there's two of us that are fighting together and, and supporting each other. And, you know, she unfortunately didn't make it, you know, and so um, that stuck with me a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, and again, hers wasn't a financial trouble. I mean, she, she, she was very much on the same thing I was, you know, going to work made her feel good. And, you know, whenever she could have a little bit of normalcy, it made her feel good, you know. And so, um, you know, it's, it, yeah, hard. it's such a relative term, right? It's like when people say, like, I'm busy. You know, yeah. like my mom yeah. says she's busy and she's, you know, retired and her busy is she has a card <laughs> game with her buddies down the street in a swim meet, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, and busy in my world is different from busy in, you know, a lot of people's worlds, right? And sure. And it's all relative, right? It's still busy to us. And um and I kind of feel like hard's the same way. Like I I'll hands down say A to me, one of my biggest accomplishments was was beating it and you know, it was also the hardest thing I ever went through. So on all all those levels you talked about, emotional, physical, I mean, here I was, you know, running half marathons at seven minute miles, you know, weeks before this all happened. And, you know, I'm just getting back to to form. I mean, this has been, you know, five years, five and a half years and just chipping away and just trying to get better and like shake Mm -hmm. off the steroids. And, and, you know, and I spent last year just on pure strength and this year on cardio and, like I'm starting to feel like my old self, you know, and mm. it's a, it's a climb and it's mm-hmm. a climb. And, you know, um, and I just started to not, you know, really honestly, like just kind of not care what people thought, you know, mm-hmm. like I certainly went through some physical changes and I was very private going through this, um, which has been hard for me to be, you know, I, I knew if I was going to do this, I had to be vulnerable. And that was terrifying for me because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't blog about this. I didn't, I wasn't asking, you know, it was a very small group of people that knew um, that I was even sick. I mean, some people just thought I moved to Ireland. They're like, I haven't seen you in two years. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe you just like <laughs> you went to Canada and lived in a cabin. I'm like, no. Just taking a break. Well, then I run society. into a bold beat and I'm like, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. <sighs> um, you know, and I, I had some good fortune, um, but I, I think Marilyn, I mean, I really think it's so, your mind is so powerful and if I didn't have the right mindset going through this, I, I seriously don't know if you and I would be sitting here having this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
I do. I hear that so often. Well, and I know you do because you're you're just around so many people who are going through the same thing that you've you've inspired so many. So I know they're listening. Um, just because you have gone through it, but I hear that so often with with every you know it's with everything. It, it's with illness. It's with um relationships. Yeah. It's with you know our dedication to pulling out on the other side of you know a pandemic, a job, yeah, a, I mean, you know, all this those last things. Year was hard. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's, it was hard for everybody in a lot of different ways. So I, you know, I just, it absolutely so much is what is, is choice and choice is, I think it's, it's directly related to, uh, what voice are you going to listen to? Yeah. You know, it's very yeah. true. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, this is hard and this is uncertain and this is all these scary things. And I have, I, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. I can make the best of it and be positive and, you know, fight and find anything normal and, and good to hang on to. Or I could, I could let it win. I can just fold like a lawn chair and be like, I'm really sick. I feel terrible. The end. This is it. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, oh, you picked the wrong body. You picked the wrong <laughs> one. Buddy. Thank goodness. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, but I'm isn't just... that the truth? It's really like, and I don't know if this sort of comes with, well, it definitely comes with, you know, what uh, your circumstances are when circumstances get extreme. And a lot of that has happened for a lot of people in the last couple of years. And I mean, Absolutely. I've had my fair share of stuff too. Fortunately, not cancer. And I think we do reach, it's like reaching the tip of the spear. Yeah in so many situations. Okay. It's okay to stay gray for a while, but eventually, and really it's not, I mean, who are we kidding? Gray is a horrible middle road is a horrible place to live, but it does get, you know, like with, with life or death situations, cat, like what you've been through, it is like, okay, I'm living my life right now at the tip of the spear and I have this way to choose or I have this way to choose. You really are in a position of, I've got one way, or I've got another way. There aren't right. there aren't multiple choices. There's so not. it's and um, even if you are in the gray and you find yourself there, you know, for whatever reasons, like you still have a choice to get out of it. Yeah, so true. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay, so you, I, I, there's two things that have come up that I want to make sure that you have time to talk about. Okay. First, uh, first, yeah, share a little bit about soccer. Okay, <laughs> I will. Because um, I, I wanted to, I want to really expand on Chemo Noir and its mission and all the good things that are happening through it. But I just, we haven't really talked about your your love affair with soccer and yes, professional I, soccer player. I mean, like, I yeah, I, I had a I had a good run. Um, I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, I just I wanted to be active. I wanted to do sports. I was a bit of a tomboy. Um, you know, I, my dad was a triathlete, Marine lawyer, you know, I would, you know, started running when I was young, but man, I, I started playing soccer when I was four and that was, uh, not to overly date myself, but there was no girls league at the time. So I want to play with the boys and I was the only girl on the, the team. I was, grew up in Jersey. I still actually have my soccer shirt from when I played and it's so tiny. I feel like I could put it like on a cabbage patch kit. It's so cute. <laughs> um, and I'm, I've been meaning to frame it for so long, but, and I was number four cause I was four years old and, um, man, I just, I was, I was, I was a tough, tough kid. I, I wanted to win. I didn't want anybody else to beat me. And so uh, fortunately, um, 
a couple years later, they did start a girls' team. Apparently, there was enough parents knocking on the door, and they had it at school. And so um, we, I was a part of a, a kind of a state travel team, and man, I loved it. It, it was it was such an outlet for me. Um, my parents got divorced when I was young, and had a tough, um, very very loving but t- tough time. You know, age six was mm-hmm. tough for me. It was a big tipping point. Um, my babysitter was like murdered coming to babysit me one day and she was like my like mentor and my parents split. It was just, it was just tough. And I remember at the time I, you know, it's soccer and sports and stuff going on, but I, I walked into school and the guidance counselor said, um, you know, Hey, we're, you know, I know you've been through a lot. We're really worried about you. I just made it into the gifted program. So I was like really proud of that. And, and I looked at her and I'm not kidding you. My mom will tell you to this day. I looked at her and I said, the second I get anything less than an A, you and I can have this conversation again. But <laughs> I got, I'm good. Believe me, I got, I got enough to deal with. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this let me fail at other things. Um, mm. And I was that determined, like that young. And so that age, I got to play with these group of girls, and man, still friends with them. Like, we still keep in touch on Facebook all these years later, and you know, all the things. So uh, that was a huge thing for me because I had like a squad then right I had like my girl squad and uh, we played travel and in school and when I was in seventh grade my my mom had gotten remarried and my stepfather's job moved us to Florida um which at the time I went kicking and screaming you know I'm a Jersey girl and I love the city and you know my dad was there my family was in Princeton and um took a minute but man I fall in love with being here so I it was like the the biggest blessing um and I, I tell you that only because when I got here Again, you have choices, right? I mm-hmm. was a, a big into basketball and big into soccer. And I was in eighth grade at Nice High School when it was still 7 to 12. And I tried out for the soccer team. And um, I made the varsity team in eighth grade. And I, I remember, I mean, I could tell you right now, like, the, the, the khaki pants and the really <laughs> hideous V-neck sweater I was wearing when I walked up and saw my name on that list. And it was a game changer for me. Like, I was like... Uh this is it. You know, I have, I have a place to fit in now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I took it very seriously and I, you know, captained the team. I was all state, all American. I, I knew it was my ticket to go to college. Um, then I went and played in North Carolina and Asheville. Um, again, another squad of people that are just best friends in life and just a cool experience. We won conference our first year and it was really, just really just a part of me was, mm-hmm. you know, soccer. And it kept me you know, super into school and very disciplined, you know, it's early mornings, it's summer trainings, it's all the things. And, um, then I got a chance. I got, I got recruited by a semi-pro team, uh, just after, um, I graduated and I thought, yeah, I could, I could go to law school, which my father was pushing for heavily, or I could go play soccer. I was like, come on. <laughs> right. I'm like, dad, I'll take all the tests. I'll do all the things, but I, I want to go, I want to go play. And uh, it was great. I played for a couple of years, then I got recruited by a pro team out west and uh, played in San Diego and trained in Arizona. And that was a cool chapter. I mean, I basically took all my savings and uh, trained in different cities with different girls on the team, uh, Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Indiana, ended up training out in Tempe for a while. And then, um, yeah, I played all over. I played, you know, I played against Brandy Chastain. I played against you know, Julie Fowdy, like it just was just all these girls that were on my wall growing up, I was playing with. And it was so cool. really I played cool. in the Seahawks stadium. It was so cool. And I kind of knew, yeah. I told myself, I was like, you know, soccer for me is when I'm done having fun or I get injured. And I was very fortunate to stay healthy. Um, I came back to Florida. I got a job at the Super Bowl here, which was 
which is really awesome. And, and I was going to ask what brought you back here. Was that it? The, yeah, you know, a job I, I'm not a West Coast girl, Marilyn. I, yeah. I, I don't like <laughs> desert and, and rocks. I mean, San Diego is beautiful, but I'm, I just, I'm an Eastern Seaboard gal and I miss my family. It was just too far for me mm-hmm. um, to be away that long. And, and now I know people, you know, when they go through like military and even, even pro sports, like when you go through that and you're away from so much and it's, and here I was making no money. It was like a fully funded program. You know, nowadays it's different for women's soccer, but I, I kind of feel like I was part of helping to pave it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I came back um, to, you know, see my mom and I went to meet up with some girlfriends one night and one of the gals that was there was this girl, Jess, uh, who was just all about, she's like, you have got to come interview. We have one staffing position left at the Super Bowl. And I was like, all right. So I went and did that and I got the job and, uh, you know, I've been here ever since. So That's so great. It was really cool. Just again, when you talk about like the universe and like cosmic things, like I was like, out for a run, got, you know, a call from my friend who just happened to be in town, went out to meet her. Then I met, it was just a really circumstance where I was like, really wanted to just go like take a shower and, you know, throw law and order on or something, you know, and here I was like, I should probably go. I felt really compelled to go. And so I'm glad I did. And, um, yeah, then I played like adult league, you know, we, we would, uh, stack our teams. We were all D one pro players. So we would just recruit, I mean, girls from Duke and, you know, all, all you know, j- just for the record right now, you're inspiring every little girl right now with that Aww. love that loves soccer. So oh, love amazing. It. It's such a good sport. It was just such yeah. a part of, you know, me healing at parts of my life. It was a part of like, you know, taught me some about team and leadership. And I always mm-hmm. wanted to captain the team and I wanted everybody to do great. And I wanted to help and I wanted to win. And it was just such a part of, of what made me, you know, and I'm yeah. just so glad at all those little tipping points that it was there for me. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, I helped, uh, one-on-one coach some girls that wanted to go play in college. And so I did that for a few years and I've, I've kind of hung up the cleats lately. My, my last, uh, I would call it prodigy. She played four years in college and I went up and watched her senior game and now she's just climbing professionally and just, just a brilliant mm-hmm. kid. And it's just, it's so fun to see it. Even the kids I've coached for a while, I, I see them. I ran into one yesterday. She was doing the Turkey trot half marathon and you know, it's just, it's such a piece of joy for me. So yeah. I just was a huge, huge chapter and, um, you know, a, a really big part of, I think what got, again, you talk about mindset. I think it's what really helped shape that for me in a big way. It sounds like, well, it's, it's hard to not hear the, a little bit of what, you know, what, what you gained in that phase of life for this. Yeah. Yeah, for 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 what for what was awaiting you, you know, yeah. for for what was next. So, talk to us about um, Kimo Noir, you know, today. So, what I know about it, and I've I've been your biggest fan for You're amazing. Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, it's it's not hard to to get on board with it because it's such a it's an awesome nonprofit. It's doing incredible things. You've touched on a lot kind of just in this, um, this fast paced conversation because there's so <laughs> much, to, there's so much to hear and it's so good, Kat. Everything about you is just really so inspiring. But I know the nonprofit sort of, you know, of course, how it began was with your story and it, and it had an emphasis, or I guess it still does have a real emphasis on supporting, um, families with the angle of all the extra cost yeah. that that families have to endure through dealing with excuse me dealing with cancer and and um so 
yeah, what what are all the <laughs> I mean, I have a brother who's a cancer survivor and I know mm-hmm. even I remember being like it's so funny cuz you don't think about it until you think about it. And then yeah. when you when you get it like man, every time my parents and I had went up to the hospital there was you know, we had to pay to park. Every time yeah. we went up to the hospital to you know to for for anything there were all these sort of added um added expenses and then Mm -hmm. insurance only covers x amount and it's like oh yeah yeah, now we got to get the house ready when you know when the patient when the family member comes home we've got to you know recreate the home for their safety and mobility and all these things are going to cost money so share a little bit just i guess about um what the driving sort of the driving angle is with Mm -hmm. chemo noir um, and the families that have, that you feel it's, it's been supporting through the years. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I've su- supported cancer charities, you know, for as long as I can remember and, and had the ability to support. And I, I think that a lot of them do a lot of great things. Um, I wanted to bring, and when I started this, I wanted to bring my story in to start it right here. I am, I'm, cancer survivor. I want to build a really cool tribe of, and community around this brand. I wanted to build like a lifestyle brand that, you know, got people active, you know, like the practice with purpose and got them to go run a mile on the beach and then celebrate, you know, by having a wine tasting. And usually people are running in memory of somebody or whatever. But I, I think the driver for me, honestly, is just knowing that, like, I know, like, I know you and your family are going through the sewer right now. It is a deep, dark, hard place to be. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that I can help, like, I don't, I, I think and I, and support groups are amazing. And there's, there's so many great, great people doing so many great things and great research and all these things. And I was like, you know, billions of people are, of, I'm sorry, billions of dollars are going to research. And, and some charities are very focused on a specific, you know, like a breast cancer or um, the lymphoma society or American cancer society. And and I was, I was sat back and I said, gosh, like we're still getting cancer. And, and there, there's a real, there's a real tough side to cancer after cancer and going through it with, with money. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the little things like you talked about, like I didn't realize I was going to have to be on shots for a year. I had to give myself two shots every day for a year after cancer. And, um, it was for a long story, but I don't have tough time on the podcast, but I had a saddle <laughs> PE while I was recovering from my cancer surgery. So I was in ICU recovering from clots in my lungs and I had to go on blood thinners forever. And just mm. those alone, like my insurance covered it, but those alone were, you know, five grand a week. Oh my gosh. And you had to pay the 10% to get, you know, all the things. And it just, like you said, it just adds up and, and I can't work as much. Like it was probably the lowest income I made in, in a decade was the year I had cancer. And here you're like in the, and I had the most expenses. You know, yeah. Right here I'm a kid with no student loans and no credit card debt and anything. And I'm like, I'm just running that Amex. Like I, I can't look back. I just got to yeah. get there. And, um, and I, I honestly, financially, I, I was personally wasn't even whole until, you know, a few years ago, got back to where I want to be. And so just knowing that having experienced it, I just, I wanted to know I could help, you know, like I can't mm-hmm. take your cancer away. I can't, I can rah, rah and, and try and get you to get the right mindset. But I know if I can take a little bit of stress off your plate, you're going to have a better head around this. And, um, that, that was my real driver, you know, is, is being able to say like, all right, this person can't 
make their out of pocket, like we'll pay it, you know, and then you can just go get the treatment you need, you know, and you don't have to worry about this and worry about where am I going to come up with an extra, you know, $400 on a fixed income. So God, it, it is so powerful hearing you say it just like that, because it, it, I mean, for, for listeners, I don't know if it just impacted everybody the way it did, but did me, but I feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death mm-hmm. to begin with. And then on top of that, to have the strain and the stress of the finances. Mm. I know, right? And a lot of people can't even like, work through, yeah. through chemo. I mean, it, it's it's very debilitating. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, it, and then if you have, you know, the trifecta of surgeries and chemo and radiation and, and just mm. keeping up with appointments, like just that alone. You know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't been like, working for myself at the time, I just, it was really, I mean, I could make my own schedule and I could move, you know, client meetings to when I like felt good, you know, right. A lot of people don't have that, that freedom, you know, or they only get so much time off or, you know, short-term disability and, and stuff where they can maintain. But I mean, unfortunately, once you get cancer label slapped on you, it's expensive for a while until yeah. you're really truly in remission, which is five years. Um, yeah. and I mean, you, you just have it, you know, yeah. you, all those appointments and blood work. And I was getting scans and blood work and stuff that was expensive for, I mean, I would, you know, full out of pocket, you know, by the first quarter of the year, mm, mm-hmm. just to, yeah. just to maintain, you know, that, that's not even the heart of, you know, the, the worst part of it. So, you know, I, it just was really compelled to say, you know, and, and, you know, I just, I love, you know, I love branding and good brands. And so I wanted to build something where like you saw that came into our logo, logo and it, either made you want to be a part of it or like you can connect with it, right? Like people mm-hmm. connect when they have wine together, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a feeling of, of, of good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and that was something that it was a part of my life. And I thought, Hey, if we're all going to get together and drink wine anyway, why don't we help raise money for people that mm. are in a real bad spot? And so good. It's been yeah. really, really cool. Um, it's been I'll, very fulfilling for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I absolutely love that what you're doing uh, to raise money is you're creating and and spe- for specific families, you know, you're yeah. you're specific, you're intentional, and your events are completely driven by elevating, you know, elevating people's mindset, educating people around this, you know, mm-hmm. this mission. And, um, they are sometimes, I know I've been to some where, you know, it's like the gala, we get to dress up and have great yeah. food and drink wine. And, you know, we know that our, our dollars are going to support something bigger. Um, yeah. Something bigger. And then you also do, um, you do a run. How many runs do you do a year? So we do, we do one kind of, our, kind of our two signature events each year. And, and we're, we've been, ex, you know, exploring, you know, maybe bringing another type of event in that could be another signature event, but we do the, the one mile run with a wine tasting after. Um, oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So it's kind of a, an adult fun run really. Um, but it's very family friendly and it, again, it's part of my story. I was, um, you know, athlete runner, all the things before, um, you know, the world kind of came crashing down for a day. And, uh, I remember, I remember getting out of an appointment and my doctor finally said like, you can, you can try running, like you're hernia free, you're off all your stuff, like go for it girl. And I literally went out to the, I went home, got in my running gear and I was, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't run in almost two years. 
And I mean, it was, I had lead underwear on. I mean, it was like tough. I was at the beach <laughs> and Marilyn, I cried the whole time. I ran one mile and I was just, <laughs> but it was like joy. You know, I was like, mm. I, I felt like I got like out of the clank kind of thing. Mm. I'm like, it was so great. And so that's why it became the one mile run. I'm like, you know, you can, you could, most people, I mean, obviously not literally everybody, if the, you know, certain people have physical ailments, but most people can come out and walk or mm-hmm. run a mile. Um, it's on the beach, you know, it's just, it's just part, it's part of the whole thing. And so, mm-hmm. and it's become something people like love and look forward to. And, you know, and what's really cool for me is, uh, and then we have our gal in the fall, which I know you, you've come to, and, um, it just keeps getting like, you know, a little better each year. Um, and you learn, right. You throw an event and you're like, Oh, this would be cool if I did this different next time. And it just keeps elevating itself. And, what was cool for me is for the, we usually have, I always invite recipients to attend our events if they, if they're up for it or if they want to. And what was so cool is we had nine of our recipients and their families at wow. the gala this year. And just to see mm. them smile and hug each other and, you know, see how, you know, how this money was raised. It's just, it's just, I, I can't really explain it. It's just so, mm. it is a, such a like pure, like, joy. I'm like, I well, know it's you've the, been. It's, and- yeah. It's the vision fulfilled. That's yeah. what it is. A and it, it, yeah. It's overwhelming when you actually are living in those moments, yeah. isn't it? It's hard yeah. for me. I mean, people that really know me know that I'm like a total sap and I'll cry at like public commercials, but like on the outside, <laughs> I, I try to keep up a pretty hard shell. And I mean, I can't get through a welcome message at these events without choking up. Yeah. Like it's just, cause it's so powerful. I look up and I'm like, Oh my God, there are a thousand people running this race to raise money for, for Kimo Noir. Like it just, it just, every time it just kind of blows my mind. And it's, it's just, it's just, it's become what I wanted to become. And I really yep. hope that, and now it's not my story. It's all these other stories and families we've helped. And, and, uh, you know, although it's, you know, it started with mine and, and it's becoming other people's stories. I really hope to God that we're not around in five years because cancer's gone. I mean, that would be, yeah. That's the end goal. And um, what is your biggest? Yeah. So that would be probably that's the ultimate goal. What is your sort of in your in your field of dreams vision for chemo noir specifically? What what do you see? Oh, what would what what would you love to see? What would you love to have happen? Um, I mean, I think what I just said that we really don't exist anymore because yeah, cancer's not a problem anymore. But um. Gosh, I mean, that is such a, that's a, that's a tough question because I kind of take Kimo Noir like year by year. And I think we've gotten to a point now that, that I almost don't know, right? Like, I mean, Marilyn, I had a friend come to me. It wasn't my, my pipe dream. I had a friend come to me two summers ago and said, I have this bucket list dream. I'm 30 years old. I want to ride my bike around the United States to raise money for your charity. Mm. And you know, we met every week for six months and we planned this whole thing behind the scenes because he had to keep his job and all these things. And so it was, that was such an amazing passion project that I never thought Kimo Noir would get on that level. I mean, we had like national recognition and he was on Mm. all kinds of podcasts and it was just, but it all, all the money stays here and we, we, we help local families and, and being local is, is big for me. Um, because I want people to feel and see the impact it's having. And I mm-hmm. think because we can have recipients come to the race, I mean, people get a real taste of like, well, this is where my money's going. And, um, and that's huge for me because yeah. this is, like I said, this is a passion project. I mean, we have no staff. Um, this is fully just 
run on the fact that I've done marketing for 20 years and, um, you know, just, it's important to dedicate the time to, it's a lot of mm-hmm. nights and weekends and, mm-hmm. um, and, but gosh, I mean, just the, the crew and the tribe of people we have involved, I, I just, I couldn't have picked better people. Like it's just, it's just amazing. And, um, so for me, that's, that's been, it's brought my family closer. Um, mm-hmm. my stepdad passed away a few years ago and it's just kept us really close with his family and just so many connections. And, and I know, you know, the power of connections and purpose and it, you know, for me, just to never lose that magic. Cause I think if it does yeah. for any reason, then I, I wouldn't be able to, to do it. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, just keep, keep the mission and keep the magic and make sure that we can make enough money to keep helping these people. Mm-hmm. I love it. So good. Uh, I mean, I, we got to talk again because there's still so much more to talk about. <laughs> Let me know. Now that I, I know, I, but I, I yeah, I know you got more stories. You got more to talk about. Well, we got to wrap up today. Okay. And um, I would love for you to just kind of end. I, I end with some rapid fire questions with my guests. And okay. I love hearing what everybody has to say. Same question and always incredible answers from everybody. So okay. just, yeah, what comes to mind? First question, what has been your greatest success to date? Beating cancer. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. No I would love to see more blank, fill in the blank. I would love to see more blank. You know, I would, and I'm not trying to sound all hippie or anything, but I would just really love to see more love and gratitude in the world. I think we're in just a, a funky place of weird. Um, and I think the second you can really be grateful for what you have and, and care about people, it, it, it's, it's a different life. It's a different lens. So that would be my, my answer there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it is interesting, isn't it? I think it all started with the selfie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, now we, 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 we turn the camera on the self way mm-hmm. too much these days. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And a lot of times we're not looking inside and- the self, right? We're just, we're making the big happy picture and mm-hmm. that's not always what's going on. So. Yeah, when we turn it to others, different lens. Gra- yeah, different lens. Love and gratitude does have a way of sh- of showing up when we turn the lens to others. So good. Okay, what is creativity to you, Cat? <sighs> creativity is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I I think everybody has it in them um, in, in different forms, and and for me, I always see creativity as really kind of this combination of of brilliance and art. Um, you know, and I, I think it's the mind and the mind working a certain way and then being expressed artfully. And so, um, I, I think that that, that's what creativity is to me. Mm-hmm. Last question. Why are you most thankful for creativity? Because I found it before I went to law school and I, uh, it's been a driver. I, I found so much, um, you know, like livelihood, like my livelihood revolves around creativity and, um, and I appreciate creativity. I mean, I love, I I love it. I think everybody has it in them, like I said, and it's just how it comes out, whether it's, um, you know, writing or singing or dancing or running or just anything. And I I just think there's so many outlets for creativity. And so I'm such an advocate for like arts and sports in school. I just think it's, um, like I almost went to art school. I was a, almost, I was a portfolio, um, 
before I decided to go be a jock. So, um, you know, <laughs> all the things I just, I just find it to be such a positive, it's just a positive thing that I think we all have if we let ourselves find it. Yeah. Yeah. And our lights grow dim, don't they? Mm-hmm. When we start, when we start thinking, Oh, I don't, I'm not creative. I can't do or, anything. I'm not good at this, but man, I'm not good at that. Yeah. It's just, you know, just let yourself go. Like I said, yeah. it's all about, you know, finding your own hero inside and, and what yeah. makes you happy. Cause I mean, it's, it's not, we don't have a lot of time here. Um, no. and so, you know, it's, it's always do the most and best of, of what you got. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for your conversation today, uh, regarding choice. You know, that's, that's what I get from everything about you, Kat, from a young age on just really pulling from which, 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 uh, which space am I going to listen to mm-hmm. along the way? And, um, it's so inspiring to hear what you chose along the way. And, um, and then just bigger picture. Thank you for, yeah, for your choice to keep the lens focused on supporting and loving others well, through, thank, thank you. through your story as a result of your story. Thank it's you. So and powerful. I, I just, I appreciate you um, having this conversation with me and allowing me to share my story a little more and, and, and for just, you know, being such a great, uh, you know, advocate for for what we're doing here. So I'd really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today on One Creative Act. I hope this conversation has you imagining what's possible to move in the direction of the creativity you have and to take action to ignite it. I hope you're inspired and recognize that you too have been born with an adventure only you can create. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit the subscribe or follow button, write a review or share it with a friend and connect with us on Instagram at one creative act. Share what you loved about this episode on your Instagram story and tag us. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast can't wait to create again together.